so now that I've interrupted your flow and made everyone stop, <laughs> here we are recording. I think I do that. Oh, no, that, no, that was me. I'm taking ownership. I was like, no, stop talking because this is good stuff and I want to record this. All right. So we have with us James Chester today, who I've known through chiropractic for a few years now. And he has a podcast um, called Cairo Hustle. And I was a guest on that podcast at some point. I don't remember when. Um, so that's a little bit about how we know each other. And then we got to meet in person yep. in Denver, September of 2023 at Mile High. And I don't know how we ended up at dinner, the, the three of us plus Jody Dinnerman. <laughs> and now here we are <laughs> having this conversation about relationships, romantic relationships specifically, on a whole different podcast. Um, so what I miss? Anything? Well, I think the reason we're here is because while we were at that dinner is we we got talking about relationships. Oh yeah. Kind of like always happens to us. And um James kind of told us some uh interesting things that he'd been through and uh we thought that he'd be a great person to have talk to us. So here we are. Yeah. All right. Um, James, before we were recording, you were talking about having, I, I said that I, I referred to you as Jim. And I was like, I don't know where I got that from because your name on Facebook is James. He refers to John. I'm pointing at John. John refers to you as James. And you had mentioned that you changed your name. And I recently changed my name. I'm in the process of doing it legally. Here goes the microphone. Um, but yeah, give us the recap of why you now I'll go by James instead of Jim. Well, I think it's interesting of who we are supposed to be and who we decide to be. And I, I, it was, I was five years old, you know, and I was in kindergarten and they were like doing roll call of like the kids in the class. And they, they asked us what we want our names to be. And I said, I'm Jim. Mm -hmm. And ever since five years old till I don't know, I'm 45 now, a few years ago, 2020, um, I went by Jim and I had always had like this, like inclination that I should eventually become James who my mom, like, you know, named me and she passed away in 2020. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go full circle on this in honor of my mom. And I'm going back to James. So anybody that's met me 2020 onwards, um, knows me as James. So I could see why John sees me as that guy. And I could see why you would see me as Jim. So um, my friends I've been friends with for ages, mostly call me Jim. Um, but it's one of those things like, we get to choose how we show up. And there is a huge identity in how people address us and what we are allow people to call us. So yeah, it's an interesting question. But yeah, it's James for everybody out there watching or listening. Have you had anyone give you any pushback about deciding to go by your full first name? No, uh-uh. <laughs> um, it's no pushback, just, uh, just a decision. I think that's interesting because for me, I, I've definitely gotten some pushback. Yeah. Specifically from family members about changing my last name to what was my middle name at birth. 
and um, and people's you know stories and opinions about what that means about them and our relationship. And really, for me, it was none of that at all. It was just simplifying things and making sure that you know moving forward, I didn't have any attachments to the past. Well, and this is where we can work this into the relationships, which we normally talk about. And that's a way for, I think, for you to disconnect from your previous relationship and become your own person again. Yeah. Well, I think it's even different than that. Like, I think when people want to control us, they want to find small things of attachment Mm. And to basically make us feel like they have control over how we're, what we call ourselves or how we like change our name to be what we want it to be. Like, I think a lot of people project out of insecurities, how they think that we should be in the snapshot of reality that they make of us. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we make ourselves powerful, we make decisions for ourselves. People don't like that because they don't want you to adapt and change and develop and become whoever you want to become. I think there's a lot of attachment to how people first met you. They always want you to be that person. And when they meet you five years later and you're like, nah, I, I do things like this now. They always want you to live in that, that, that first memory or when you're a little kid or when you're like a teenager, you know, there's people that, you know, I played soccer with during my youth that still call me like Jimmy. And I, I don't know. I think that that's where their identity of me is. So I think a lot of times people get stuck in this identity of who somebody's supposed to be for them. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. I, I really do. John, you had mentioned that you changed your last name do you want to talk more about oh, that? Just briefly yeah i actually did i changed my name when i was a kid because uh bio dad wasn't in the picture and i um had a different last name than the rest of my family and my mom got remarried he that her husband didn't uh, adopt me and i just felt weird that i had a, a different last name so that was a way for me to again to fit in to be part of something to and i changed my last name from um Gustafson to Thompson and I still carry that but honestly oh boy this is a can of worms but um I kind of sort of want to get rid of it but I haven't I kind of want to go back to my my real name and it's funny because when I want to do something different and I want to be a little bit off the charts I, I call myself uh Johnny G because <laughs> my original last name but uh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that's your alter ego. Yeah, that's my alter ego. When he, when, when I, when I go out. So, what else were we talking about before we started? We we're talking about um, relationship issues that that James and that's how we kind of came together into this situation and why we thought to talk to him. Well, I think yeah, like challenges in relationships were how the two of you have started to form our friendship, mm -hmm. which is really that's interesting for me to like to witness. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that we always look to people for help at least smart people like really like I think people that are seekers and are curious about life they look to people for assistance and help and I think a lot of times people don't 
have the courage to do that and they don't have the gumption to do that. And I think it takes a lot of a person in their, their journey of life to say, Hey, can you help me? Mm-hmm. Or, Hey, what's your advice on this? Or I'm really pissed off about this. Do you have any suggestions? Um, and I don't know. I, th- I think that over time we look to people that have expertise in life and we ask for help. And I think that that's really what I did with John is I was like, Hey, I'm going through this, this situation with life. Like what's your advice on this? And I, I think that that's a huge takeaway for people is if you're ever like, not sure, um, find somebody that's more experienced in life than you and ask for help. You wouldn't know this per se, but maybe you just knew this intuitively, but uh, John gets asked for help from people all the time. <laughs> and I don't think he really gives himself like um, enough credit. I don't, I mean, I don't know that you need to be boisterous about it. Right. But like, he's always helping other people. And it's, it's, it was just interesting to me that like something about you picked up on his willingness to do that pretty quickly because you hadn't known each other very long before you were like, Hey, can we talk about this problem that I'm having? Yeah. And I, I think when, when somebody has like that sixth sense, like you pick up on people's, intuitive nature mm-hmm. and i think that there's a lot of things that go into life like that like friendship is built upon trust and i think that partnership is built upon trust and i think that if a lot of people just like sharpened up their intuitions and their friendships they would find a lot of different ways to help themselves more if they were trustworthy and they would be a bigger version of themselves if they helped more people. So I think just deep inside of us, we all want to do stuff to make other people's lives better. And the ones that ask for help, they get there faster. The ones that do it alone, boy, that's why we have such a hard time with depression and anxiety and you know, self-esteem. I think that's a huge problem is people just don't know how to go seek other people out and to get over their shit. Mm -hmm. That was going to be my question is, do you think everybody, um, everybody seeks somebody out or do you think that it's the people that are emotionally mature enough to actually admit they need the help to, to then go get it? So what's the difference I guess what I'm looking for here is, and I'm probably not articulating this well, is what's the difference between somebody that's emotionally mature and realizes they need help and ask for it and somebody who's not, and they just kind of wing it. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people that aren't emotionally mature, um, there's an old saying that hurt people hurt people. And also a lot of people that are find themselves in that category they drift and sedate. So they become lonely. Um, They use other people more frequently because of their wounds. And they just don't really advance with life and they stay stuck. And I think that there's a lot that goes into emotional maturity. And some of the things that I've done over the past 
you know, handful of months is I've done some work on my subconscious. And I think that that's a part where alpha males are like kind of afraid to admit that they're not emotionally like, okay, you know, from old wounds, like abandonment and abuse and things like that. Like, you know, guys, we were told that we're not supposed to cry. We're told that we're not supposed to have feelings and we go to suppress mode. And I think that just speaking as a man, like uh, so many guys are out there that go into suppression mode and then that becomes alcoholism, that becomes drug addiction, that becomes abuse, that becomes isolation, that becomes psychological things that become barriers of why we don't get what we want. And then we repeat the cycle. You know, and I think that a lot of times if people are just willing to say, yeah, I don't have it all figured out, I need help. And they go out there once again and seek help. Like I had to go seek somebody that did neuroemotional technique. I had to go seek someone that did access bars. I had to go seek people that were able to help me work on whatever psychological stuff was going on with my subconscious and get through that stuff. And I think that that's really, there's an old Native American saying that says, deep in the belly of the wound is the gift. Mm. And so many times, like deep in like the part that we don't want to go is where the clarity is found. And, you know, after five years of sobriety from alcohol and finding clarity in myself and giving myself permission to not live that life anymore, we're still dealing with breakthroughs. And I think that when we become clear, then we become the standard. Then we set the example for other people. You, I, I, I couldn't agree with everything you said anymore because I, I went through the same thing. I'm, I'm about a year and a half sober. I'm, um, when I went through my most recent divorce, I, I, I sucked. I went and got counseling and I actually got a, uh, you know, you talked about the alpha male thing and, and I pride myself in being an alpha male. I'm a, I'm a veteran. I'm, I'm an ex cop. I'm, I'm all these things. I, you know, I was a tough guy. I carried a gun and I, you know, did all that stuff, but you know, you're right. A, a man has to know his limitations and my, I didn't understand what I needed emotionally to be successful in my life and I was just going down that angry route just because I, I, that's what I knew and I knew to be angry and tough and, and fight through it and that's not what I actually needed so I ended up getting a, a counselor and it was a it just so happened it was a she really helped me a lot and to get not not like kind of touchy-feely get in touch with my emotions and all that kind of stuff but it was like a look you can't just fight everything all the time and and I went through that, and then there were some other things you said, but I just you you sucked me in with the second part of your statement so much, I I really felt it. Yeah, and you know, I think that me doing that work, other people are gonna like hear this this conversation, this interview, this you know, this segment of what you guys are producing, and they're gonna feel it. They're going to feel it because I think that that's really what we miss. We miss people talking about things that suck. Yeah. 
So how do you know the difference between somebody who's looking for help and somebody who's just trying to drain you? Hmm. Um, so like a reframe of that would be like someone who actually wants to improve and, and like grow and learn and live a better life versus someone who's like seeking attention. Yeah. I think he, yeah. I, I, I think it's, So I do 75 hard, okay? Do 45 minute workouts a day. I read two daily devotionals. Um, no alcohol. Five minute cold showers. Read 10 pages out of a book. Drink a gallon of water. Take a progress picture. And I have a code. Somebody with those type of standards, you know that they're not fooling around with your time. Somebody that's going out, hanging out with multiple partners, somebody that sedates with television. Like I haven't owned a television in 12 years. When people don't live by like a standard and a code, those are the people that are like energetic vampires. Mm -hmm. The people that actually like go and do personal development stuff and have a coach and take care of their you know, their dimensional lifestyle there, you know, I, I went through a group called men of iron and we focused on our bodies. So I'll just give you the code. Um, you get a score of 28 at the end of the week. Each day you get four points. You have to eat something green and drink something green uh, and do, I don't know, uh, you could do anything from a yoga session to lifting weights at the gym. So you get a half point for each. Eating something green, drinking something green is a half point. Working out, it could be 25 push-ups. It could be a marathon. You could climb a 14,000-foot mountain, but you have to do something on your body daily. Um, the being, the human being, you have to be spiritual. You have to pray. You have to go to church. Like You have to follow a code, read a daily devotional, journal, meditate, pray. Like These things, you have to like pay attention to the human being inside of you. Um, then your relationships, you have to, uh, so it's body being business balance, the balance of life. You have to reach out to people. It could be a FaceTime. It could be a zoom. It could be a phone call. It could be a lunch with somebody. It could be a dinner with somebody. It could be a meaningful walk, but you have to connect with two people each day. Um, and then the business you have to read, you have to watch a YouTube video. You have to learn something. You have to be on a webinar, like you have to listen to an audio book or listen to a podcast. And then you have to teach that you have to like, actually go out and tell somebody about what you were listening to or what you read. And you have to like share that knowledge. So once you do all four of those each day, that's the sign of somebody that really wants personal development. And that's the type of person that I would pour into time after time. But somebody that's not sleeping and partying, and I would talk to them, but I could tell that they need to do more stuff for themselves than I could ever do for them. Hmm. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That opens up such a can of worms for me. Oh, gosh. Um, 
you know, before we before we came down to my office and got on Zoom, I was upstairs in the bathroom and I was obviously I was in the bathroom alone. So it was just like a moment for me of like thinking, reflecting kind of. And I was like, gosh, you know, I'm I'm so tired of censoring myself and not being able to say all of like what I've experienced in my previous marriage because I feel like I'm doing it to be respectful or like I don't want to be accused of trash talking or you know whatever and yet like gosh I I just want to be able to speak freely about it so I'll probably say things in this conversation I hadn't said before (laughs) um but I you know after being I don't know, separated for a few months from my previous husband, um, I realized in retrospect that he was an alcoholic. And I I'd always I always knew that he had a problem with alcohol, but I never could really like say, oh, he's an alcoholic. And and then just recently I look back on my first marriage and realized, oh damn, he was also an alcoholic. He also had problems with alcohol. And in both of those relationships, I was, you know, I was the codependent. <laughs> of course, I was like, I was always trying to fix everything and like make them better and like get them to do different things and like change what they, you know, change what they were doing, change their habits, change really who they were. Um, so it's interesting because I've landed in this place now of like, yes, I could, I can point the finger and I can, you know, say like, oh, well, because of X, Y, Z, like you're the bad person, but really we all have our things. We all have like our, um, our addictions. I think some of them just appear to be more righteous than others. And as you're talking about, you know, like, um, pouring into people who, who show you that they want to grow, they want to be, developing themselves i'm like yeah okay lesson learned because some people just don't want they're 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 not ready or they're not capable of changing well go back in time with me so i i met this girl when i was 19 i'm 45 now and i was with her till i was 27 we never got married i helped raise two of her kids um she was five years older than me Um, We met in community college and I was like, man, this is attraction. You know, she came up, moved here from Arkansas when I was living in Iowa. And uh, anyways, the reason I say this is she sent this to me on January 5th. She sent me an email. I'm going to read it to you guys. Yeah. She goes, hi, Jim. I was thinking about you yesterday. I'm not sure why you popped into my thoughts. I looked you up on the internet. I'm so proud of the work that you're doing. Your podcast is amazing. You have been working so long and hard to bring your message to the health community. I remember watching you work at Palmer since the, at the resource fair around early 2000, beginning your platform. We made your first business cards. Again, I'm so proud of the work that you're advocating for with health and wellness. You look also look great. Take care. And that like hit me because there was a reason that that relationship didn't work. 
But the reason that I know that the relationship that I desire will work is because of the standard that I've been working for. And once we get clear with ourselves, we won't allow other people that suck in our life. And we have to go through that course of reality. You know, what I said earlier about this, like the four habits daily, that's hardcore for a lot of people out there that don't have a standard for themselves. That scares the shit out of people when I tell them how serious about life I am. For real. Like, like the things that I've been working on with myself to make myself a really good man doesn't line up with people because they're really sick. Mm-hmm. People are really sick. They're eating shit. They're watching shit. And they're not taking care of their body. They wonder why like the emotional component doesn't work. They're wondering why they live on a merry-go-round of broken relationships. It's because they never do the, they never do the fucking work for themselves. And it's just really cool that the gal that I was dating at 19 to 27 felt the need to find me through the internet and send me a message of compliment saying, bravo, you know, but she doesn't know the things that I do daily. Yeah. She doesn't know that I wake up stinking early. She doesn't know that I've been doing yoga every day for the past, what, 23 straight days. She doesn't know that I follow a code. And could I be the guy that's sitting around polishing a bar stool with my ass? That's the life I was brought up in. You know, I I was raised in a bar. I didn't know any different. So to, to take me out of that element... It's taken so much integrity for me to not go back to that life because it was fun. It was easy. And it came to me second nature. Mm-hmm. Like chiropractic pulled me out of the bars. I was a bartender and my buddy that was working the door at the bar I was working at said, Hey, why don't you help me run this office? So I left Davenport, Iowa at 30 years old. And chiropractic really saved my life. It gave me a purpose. So hopefully that helps somebody. Well, I, I can't see how it wouldn't. Um, honestly, it's very inspirational. It, it, I mean, I'm sitting here being inspired by what you're saying. And I'm I'm probably one of the people that's a little bit intimidated by what you're saying because yet I have my own code. I never really looked at it that way until you said it. And then I kind of got thinking about it. I think I do. Mine's pretty simple. Um, I just want to be able to look at myself in the mirror at the end of the day and say I did everything I could to be a good man. I don't need to. I don't need to feel like somebody's looking over my shoulder. Um, I was 19 when I joined the Air Force. The core values: integrity, service, support for self, and excellence in all we do. Those were. I don't know why, but I really bought into that right off the bat. And I want, and that's kind of how I want to live my life with integrity. I want to serve others before myself and do the best I can in anything I'm doing to the best of my ability. And and look in the mirror at the end of the day and say, you did the best you could today. That's that's where I'm at. I, I don't have as strict of a regime as you do, but I feel like I still have a code, like you were saying. Well, 
I just want to make a joke a little bit, but the only reason I want to look at myself in the mirror at the end of the night is because I'm brushing my damn teeth. (laughs) (laughs) That's my purpose for looking at the mirror at the end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I can see that. Like, if we don't have structure, we drift. If we don't have, like, a desire, like we play a small game and I think, I think that when people start to wake up, like they're the, the best part of them is sleeping. I really feel like we started this when we reached out to you, I felt like we were going to talk about relationships and we are, but I really feel like that conversation isn't about external relationships. It's about your relationship with yourself mm-hmm. and how that can manifest into something better in your life over time. Well, it's a segue, though, into, you know, how, James, for you, like, the the work that you do for yourself, how has that changed your external relationships? Yeah, that's just it, is, like, women that I meet, they almost feel like they can't fit into my life because of the structure that I've created. Or because of, I won't eat food that's not organic. Mm -hmm. Or I won't put detergents on my body. Or I I won't, like, put chemicals into my environment, like, where I live and how I live. Like, I won't do that stuff. So it's intimidating. Like, I have so much figured out about, like, what's good for me that when I'm around somebody, they're like, shit, this guy eats so, like, real food like i can't like break any rules around him and eat a pint of ice cream like it's hard for a partner to come into my life and feel like they actually can breathe because i do have such a code with myself and they meet me and they're like shit i don't know how to like kill my old self and move on with this guy Mm. i don't want to kill my old self and move on with this guy because it's too hard for me to like live to that standard And, you know, for me, I killed my old self. Like, the old me is dead. Like, I'm not going back to that dude. So anybody that, like, wants to, like, build a life with me, they can just assimilate to my excellence that I've, like, laid out. They can be themselves. But it's been really challenging for me to find a partner that actually can, like, handle the bandwidth of, like, how much vibrational frequency I put off to, like, get shit done and not be a bum. Well, there's a high level of accountability that comes yeah. up, um being in your space. You know, when your habits and your routines are so dialed in, it can really shine a light on someone else's lack of habits and routines, lack of um, self-management and self-leadership. That's a hard thing for you know, the majority of people in our society, as you had mentioned before, because most people are just kind of drifting around aimlessly. They have no idea what they're doing with themselves. But then I become like the judger, you know, and then I become like, you're not good enough for me because you're not willing to do what I do. And that's really hard for a partner to come into my life because it takes years of discipline to have like a standard for yourself that like, that somebody else can like appreciate about you and they don't feel intimidated by. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you're totally bucking the trend of what's cool and what's fun and, and, you know, all this kind of stuff in today's society. It's not about being healthy anymore. It's about taking a picture of your ass and posting it on the internet and then uh, going and getting drunk. Like that, that's what's cool anymore. And, and you're doing the right thing. You're, you're working on yourself. You're working on your body and your environment. That's great. And continue that because you're going to eventually attract the right person into that. And, and you're going to find who you're looking for. And, and I'm, I'm hearing boundaries is what I'm hearing. Well, the cool thing is, is that anybody that gets me to be their partner, I'm going to look after their parents. I'm going to look after their siblings. I'm going to look after their kids. They get somebody that is a proven warrior that is just looking for like a family, you know, that wants to raise a family, that wants to like have a child, that wants to be a husband. And I know that it takes a a very really passionate consistent person to earn that and i haven't had that yet so i don't know maybe i'm doing it wrong but what you're saying is the boundary is whoever builds that future with me like they're getting somebody that's going to protect them it's going to give them knowledge you know that's going to support the message of keeping the house up that's going to make sure that the cars looked after. That's going to make sure that like the small things are done, like the smallest of the small things are done. And I think that that's where it becomes also intimidating because a partner thinks that they had to be equally yoked with me and I'm the full yoke. Like I just want a good woman that like has good standards and wants to have a good family and wants to have somebody, you know, doing those things like shoveling the sidewalks if you live in the snow or you know just taking the trash out doing the dishes like not expecting the partner to subordinate and do all the dumb shit like i'm happy to do all the dumb shit i mean i've been you know it's the funniest thing is like when i meet a woman and they think that you know we're a couple now they want to tell me how to drive and my my brash reality is hey somehow i made it to 45 without you ever telling me how to park a car Sometimes I made it to 45 without you ever telling me how's what speed limit to go. And I come off as an ass because I'm like, who are you to try to like, you know, jump into my life and try to give me guidance on how to drive a damn car, where to park and how fast to go, what yeah. lane to be in. That's a huge red flag to me because I experienced that uh, when I was 29 in a relationship that I started, which I, you know, later got married to that person. But that was one of the biggest red flags, one of, and I was like too, hmm, what's the word? I lacked the confidence in myself to initially say, fuck off. <laughs> I don't need you to tell me how to drive. I've been driving since I was actually like 11 <laughs> years old, my dad out on country highways. I don't need you to tell me how to do this. I've been doing this for a long time already. Instead, I was like, gosh, I must, I must be really stupid. I must, I must like really need to change my ways. Because I thought, why would someone be so judgmental of me otherwise? Well, two relationships ago, I was taking the gal I was dating and her mom down to like a festival of trees thing, like a parade outside in Denver. And uh they're both telling me how to drive 
what lane to be in, where I was going to park. And I stopped at the light and I was like, look, I don't need either one of you for the rest of the time going to this place to tell me how to get to where I'm going. I have a GPS right here and I know how to drive around Denver. I've lived here for six years and I appreciate you guys giving me your input, but I'm not that guy. Mm. That was not popular. It did not go over well. She's like, it ruined my night. It ruined my mom's night. And I'm like, well, you guys need to toughen up because if you guys are going to like henpeck me and tell me how to go do stuff, then I'm sorry. Like I am not emotionally mature enough to let you guys bully me around and tell me how to drive a damn car. And is that a them problem or a you problem? Exactly. It's a clash. Well, and then I don't, then I don't ski and I'm still sober. I'm not drinking. And mom and dad are here now and girlfriend and they're like, Hey, so, you know, we're a skiing family. And I'm like, cool. You guys can go ski. I'll hang out at the lodge and sit in the hot tub or something. And they're like, really? You don't want to ski? I go, the only thing I do in the snow is throw snowballs. Okay. <laughs> so once again, I'm popular. And she's like, you ruined the night for me and my parents. I'm like, how does that ruin a night when I tell you I don't ski and I don't want to ski. And if you guys want to ski, go do it. Just don't invite me. Yeah. Well, that's like, that's a whole uh, topic of conversation itself, right? Because it's, that's all about expectations and unmet expectations. When we, when we have expectations and we project them onto other people and then we're mad when they don't meet our expectations, it, it can go on and on. I'm like, I didn't ruin anybody's night. Actually, you're ruining my night because you told me that dumb shit. Yeah, that, that was my point. That's their, they're trying to control you and trying to tell you what you can and can't do. And all you're saying is, hey, you do you, I do me. That sounds like and, a problem to me. <laughs> I'm, it's, 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 I think it's just the way that people are, though. They project who they want you to be to fit into their life. So they don't want you, they want, they want what they want you to be, is what you're and saying. I, and you know what? I'm so thankful that she's back with the same guy that she was with before me, and they're married and all that stuff. Like, what a nightmare. How shitty would my life have been if those were the two prominent women in my life, always trying to, like, put bumper rails on the bowling alley for my life and tell me how to do everything and live up to their expectations of who I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I'm a podcaster. I do marketing. I travel. Like I have my own shit. Like I'm good. And that's a part where a relationship like is really hard because people want you to fit into their world instead of saying, Hey, just come as you are and be yourself. And damn, what you do is pretty impressive. I want to go back to something that came to me as you were talking, James, about, you know, like you, like you want to be the man who is taking care of the, of the house or shoveling the snow, for example, right. And in doing those little things or what might seem like little things to me, I don't think they're little things. Um, most women, I, can I say most women? A lot of women, I don't know if it's if it's the majority anymore, 
women will say, I want a man who's going to just take care of this and take care of that. And like, I want a man who will just be the man. But women also have a very hard time receiving <laughs> what they actually want, right? And so they might say they want that and then they get that or they, they have that person in their lives and they push it away and reject it and sabotage it essentially because they're not ready to allow themselves to receive that. There's an old saying, Danielle, may you get what you want and want it once you get it. <laughs> well, look how weird you looked at me when you found out I was a person that opened the car door for you. <laughs> she didn't know how to act. <laughs> yeah, and I, that's just it is there's so many um, layers to who we are and how we feel we should court a partner. And then we're like, we get that person in our life. And then they try to project who we're supposed to be when we're just doing our best to like support them. Mm. And we're just doing our best to show up the best we know how to for that person each day. And that's what's and, so confusing to me is why wouldn't you want your partner to be the best version of themselves and for you to be the best version of yourself? So that way, when you guys have challenges, you can meet them head on and, and handle them in the most efficient way possible, rather than coming at it from all different directions and being scattered and fighting each other. Well, how does that make any sense? Well, you're assuming a certain level of emotional maturity, though, by rationalizing that. Right. But like by assuming that that's what makes sense and that's, you know, that's what would produce the healthiest outcome for as many people as possible. Sure. Yeah. If none of us had any wounds that were not healed, <laughs> if it if we'd all done the work on ourselves before trying to be in relationship with other people. And here's the other part that I find is when you want to be that provider and that supporter the person that you're like showing up for that way is like, don't fix me. I'm not broken. And that's the attitude that will project out of that person when you're like, it's fine. You don't have to do any of that stuff. And you know, you're like, well, I'm going to do this for you. And I'm going to make this call for you. I'm going to set this up for you. I'm going to make sure that you have a path and I can help you guide this and do this thing. And I think, people don't want you don't want to admit that they're fucked up and they don't want to project as they're broken and don't know how to manage their money. They don't want to project that they're broken and don't know how to manage a romantic relationship. And the last thing they want you to do is come in as the savior. So people like to repeat old behaviors and old patterns and that's what they'll get. Yep. They'll live below their standard of who they deserve in their life because they won't get over their old shit. Well, and they don't want to put in the work. Yeah. Because people are, no, a lot of people are just plain lazy, honestly. Well, <laughs> yes, on the surface, we appear to be lazy, but at a deeper, from a, like in a deeper way, the laziness is about the avoidance of the pain that you feel when you face those hard things. Like for me, for example, leaving my second marriage was largely um, made possible by 
the the realization, like finally letting myself feel how much baggage I had been carrying around my entire life because my biological father had basically abandoned me and went and started a life with another family pretty quickly after I was born. And the question that I had asked myself sort of unconsciously for a long time was, why wasn't I good? Why wasn't I good enough for him? And then I played that out in relationships with men throughout my life until 2022. And then, you know, like when I had that realization of like, oh, fuck, I, how did you just get flipped? Oh, because I raised my hand. <laughs> the screen flipped us. That was so disorienting. I'm going to lower my hand. Um, I I was like, oh, now that I now that I see this, I can't unsee this, and also this means that I have to also take ownership and take responsibility for the decisions that I made when I was doing life with that all unconscious, all under the surface, and I had pushed it down for my entire life. I was 42 at that time because it was too fucking painful to deal with. Not because I was lazy, but because I. I didn't mean you particularly. Well, I know, but I'm just, I'm just giving you a different example, right? <laughs> it wasn't because I was lazy. I did a lot of work, you know, a lot of like personal development type of stuff for a very long time. But that was the one thing that I would not touch. The one place I did not want to go was my childhood and my parents. Unfortunately, it might have been where you needed to go because that's where the deepest wound is, isn't it? Yep. Truly, yes. Well, last name. When I think about what you're sharing there, I think it's a common theme in people that until you break free of the subconscious control of the programming that you got between zero to age five or in utero, yeah, like those are the areas where you have to go and work with somebody. And here's my bit of advice to people that are curious about like finding clarity within like that early like chapters of your life. If you don't correct it and fix it, it's never going to go away. And you're only going to attract the same type of bullshit into your life that you have that you don't want. So the real thing is, is not to become pharmacologically like submissive to your own person. Like, Stay away from therapists that will give you pills. Stay away from therapists that want you to take medication. Do it yourself. Like get the the confidence in yourself to say enough is enough. This is the line in the concrete. I'm the old me is dead. I go forward. Like set your standards so strict on yourself that you work with a therapist or somebody that can help you work through that subconscious programming at a young age and you to get a chance to actually break free. Like that's the most beautiful part about like finding who you're supposed to become is working through those early chapters of your life. Yeah. With you. <laughs> well, my, my first claim major was going to be psychology. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was going to go and help people find the holes in their life and patch them. And then I was like, well, I don't want to do that. That sounds like a terrible thing. And then I was going to be a teacher. So I went and did student teaching and I was like, 
yeah, the teachers hate the kids and they hate the system. And if you get into a system, there's no way of ever like moving or advancing with your life because they lock you into the teaching program that like you build your, your tenure out of school and then you retire out. And I'm like, not, not for me. I want to travel the world. And then I was like, well, what do I do with all this? And I was going to be like, I was going towards an English teacher. And I'm like, well, that, that's, that kicks the can down the road. And I'm like, well, what else can I do with this? So I got my degree in marketing and journalism and I packaged all those credits into something that was meaningful to me. And, you know, I think that that's really what we have to do is we have to take the components that we go through our matriculation of life with, and we have to go get a diploma and take all the experience that we have and make it meaningful for something and walk away with whatever we find that to be our victory. And I think that as you go through life as a young person, you get all these credit hours doing life. You might as well go and be a, you know, military guy, if that's what calls to you, because they're going to give you structure and a code, you know, or you go into a collegiate world where you can go be a doctor, you know, or you go in and you're like, I just wanted, actually, I just wanted to go to college and play sports. I got a degree because I wanted to continue, continue my career as an athlete. And that's why I got to where I was, you know, and I think a lot of times if people look back on their history of life, they can take those bits of themselves and say, okay, now what am I qualified for? And they can do that with their partners if they work on who the hell they really are. I fully support everything. Again, um, I became a police officer because one, I thought it sounded really cool to carry a gun and drive fast cars. But also, um, on a more serious note, I grew up in an abusive family, and um, my very first memory as a child was watching my mom fall bloody on the floor next to me. So I actually became a police officer to help people in domestic violence situations and to get them through that and to, you know, make, you know, if I could just help one person in that situation, I, I maybe was going to feel like I, I got somewhere and I did the right thing with the, you know, kind of like what you're saying. I had this negative, but I wanted to turn it into a positive and, and, you know, focus my attention into helping people that I never got the help. You know, I ended up in foster care and things like that. And the abuse never really stopped. <clears throat> so, Eventually, I, I think I, I accomplished that. So, yeah, I think that it's very smart to use your life experience to become a better person. And that's what drew me to you. When the first night I met you, you were honest to me. And you told me about why you became a cop. And I saw integrity. And I saw that you had discipline for justice. And those things matter to me. So that's what drew me to you as a confidant and as somebody that I would go to for relationship advice. I'm like, wow, this guy protects and serves. He served our country. He's, he's done enough battles. Like, it's hard for me to subordinate to other men. Like, I don't. So I had to find good qualities in you to say, yeah, I trust him. I don't think it's subordinating. I think it's just two men helping each other. I think that's what it is. Because I think you've given me back every bit of what I gave you tonight. Like, and then some. 
I, I really feel that way. You, this conversation has gone 180 degrees different than I thought it would, and, and I'm really glad it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, do, well, do you guys want to go back on topic of what you originally wanted to focus on? I think we're just about done. I think I think what I was thinking is what would what, what if you were going to give somebody some advice going forward and who's been through a lot of things, what would that be? And, but I kind of feel like you already did that. So yeah, <clears throat> I mean, in, in all reality, you know, my coach would always tell me to create a non-negotiable and to create things that, like, for instance, I'm allergic to cats. I won't date a woman with cats. Um, the whole COVID vaccine. I'll never date a woman that took that shot. So I have my non-negotiables. If she drinks, if she gambles, if she still communicates with her exes in a romantic way, if she wants to have a relationship with another man and at the same time as me. Um, there's just things that I have non-negotiables on. And I think that if there was ever a takeaway for people is, um, you give what you get and you get what you give and givers gain and you can't outgive the giver. So if you want to actually find a good person, um, it's reciprocal and create your non-negotiables like if somebody eats fast food five days a week, they're not going to be a good fit for me. If somebody gambles and drinks, not a good fit for me. So I want people to have a good relationship with God. I, I want a Christian woman. I want them to be willing to go to church with me. I want them to, to you know, have some symbolism of a standard for how they have a relationship with God and their religion. So I think if anybody takes anything away from the last bit of this conversation with you guys is create your avatar. Who do you want to be with and who do you want to be for that person? And just show up the best way you know how to and attract the person, but don't judge them. That's the hardest thing is when you start to get into a romantic relationship with someone is making them feel like they're not, loved or appreciated because of how you treat yourself let them be them too i can't add anything to that i don't know i just want to say create your avatar is spoken like a true marketer <laughs> but really when you are seeking a romantic relationship you are marketing yourself we make the word marketing you know, mean such weird things, but it's, it's just like, take the emotion, you know, out of it for, this is, this doesn't apply to you, James, necessarily, but like, if we take the emotional connotations out of the word marketing and just like, look at the logistics and the, the actions, the discipline, the devotion, if you will, of, um, sharing with the world something that's available <laughs> that's like really what it comes down to can i can i close that with my ideal woman yes yeah so made, maybe, I, maybe she'll be listening to this podcast I, I made this note november 21st 2020 8 17 p.m the ideal woman for me is secure in her ways and career and future 
Latin descent, five, two to five, six fit average 30 to 35 of age. Um, doesn't drink alcohol and supports my decisions not to doesn't smoke cigarettes, appreciates chiropractic, lives an organic lifestyle, appreciates music. I like, and I like her choices does yoga and loves hiking. Doesn't judge me for what I don't have as far as possessions supports me for what I'm working for in my career loves God and will go to church with me. Good relationship with her family loves to cook and also likes dinner dates practices, good hygiene likes to travel. Uh, we have to be on the same page with everything. 80% doesn't communicate with her exes, no cats, no dogs that shed excessively, <laughs> no dogs in the bed. Doesn't like partying late. Doesn't like watching political TV. Uh, enjoys baseball, stays fit and active, likes to wake up early, doesn't live paycheck to paycheck, wants to have a family and children, makes me a priority, would never cheat on me, doesn't gamble for a hobby, and is okay if I travel for work. And that's the snapshot of the ideal partner for me. So how should she contact you if she happens to hear this? I'm Internet me. I love hustle. Internet me. At the end of our first two, we talked about what we learned. Well, actually, our first three, because this is going to be our fourth episode. Um, but I think you already kind of summed it up for us. So I don't think we need to do that. We can just talk. What did you learn? I want to hear what you learned. Oh, boy. Uh, what did I learn really fast? Uh, you just have to set your boundaries and you have to um you have to live your life how you want someone to come in and live your life with you. Like basically you set the standard and then you don't let anybody into your life that's not gonna live through that standard. Now that doesn't mean you have to be completely hard-nosed and hard-headed and everything else. You can still let them be their own person, but that person needs to be up to the standard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's how I feel about and I totally agree with it. My turn? Absolutely. Um, I don't know that this is a thing that I learned per se, but as I was listening to the two of you talk, I'm just appreciating like so much. And I haven't really expressed this to you, but it came up in the gym the other day too. Um appreciating so much hearing two dudes who I see as like very, you know, masculine men talking about these kinds of things because especially in the world right now there's this whole notion of toxic masculinity and that that to be manly is to be somehow wrong or bad and I am just so like honored and happy to be able to record these conversations and put them out for the world to hear because I think frankly like this this just destroys that whole ideology it just really it really does so yeah. Thank you. And thank you. I, I think that the whole thing matters because they build this construct with these ideologies that are nothing but lies. Mm -hmm. And they make them popular and they pass on agendas and it becomes a cultural position. And anybody that thinks toxic, toxic masculinity is a thing, go fuck yourself. <laughs> the irony absolutely 
Go fuck yourself. Because you're just making excuses for your inability to get to know somebody and you're labeling them. Mm -hmm. And if you ask them why they have the position that they have, you might learn a great deal from them rather than putting them into a corner or a box and painting them in and saying, you're that person, you're that way. No, we're not that way. I'm going to, I'm going to step out on a limb here and say, it's exactly what you know, most white people are accused of when, in regard to being racist or white supremacist or transphobic or, you know, whatever, because we're told that, oh, like we don't, we're not open-minded or we're not willing to accept people or get to know them or spend time around them or understand their culture. But it, it's the same. It's the same thing. It just so happens to be that you're two white men. Can I tell you a quick story at the end of this? Yeah. I grew up in poverty. I grew up on the streets. I grew up as a thief. I grew up selling drugs. I grew up the worst abandoned childhood that you could ever imagine. I grew up abused. And my best friends growing up were black kids and Mexican kids. I was the only white kid allowed to stay over at their houses. I went to black church as a kid. I went to Mexican holidays as a kid. I grew up in the poorest part of town. And I think that that's the, the, the luggage that I carry with me is why anybody that talks about racism, they're just unwilling to go meet other people different from them. Anybody that talks about any of these cultural degradations, whether it's white supremacy or anything you mentioned, it's because of the false reality that that is a reality. Like the only ignorance that is involved in any of that is your unwillingness to understand other people. And one of my greatest mentors of all time would always tell me we're more alike than we are different. And anybody that wants to label anybody else, they're look, they need to look in the mirror too. Who the hell are you? And why would you ever think that it's okay to put somebody with that type of mindset into their life? So whatever has become popular for us that think that we're different and we should marginalize people by who we think they are, learn, learn who they are. You, 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 you do better in your own personal life and not to bring your kids up with that mindset too, or not to bring your partner into that mindset because there's no amount of fear or hate that should ever be perpetuated onto other people because of ignorance. If you think that that's a slogan to live by racism, transgenderism, those are all made up shit. It really is. But I will end it with like a, a really strong statement. If you mess with kids, you're fucked up. If you touch kids, you're fucked up. Like for real, like, yeah, it's called the big show. We're going to have pay-per-view and we're going to put people into the wood chipper and we're going to, we're going to give all that money back to the families that were violated and abused. You guys are totally destroying the point that I was just making about toxic masculinity. Well, I had a point about toxic masculinity because everybody thinks about, you know, alpha males are super toxic and this and that, but if 
in my life, I've met fighter pilots. I, I used to hang out with fighter pilots, mechanics. Um, I've hung out with Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, uh, explosive ordnance guys from the Army and the Marines. I've, um, you know, I've known people that have killed tens of men. I've been in the gym with the biggest monsters people you've ever seen. And every one of those guys, you would look at them and go, oh, my God, that guy, he's huge. He's just so scary. Probably the nicest people on the planet. They will do anything. They'll give you the shirt off their back in a heartbeat and a ride in their car. Like they, they'll do anything for anybody. And you're telling funny stories. And I used to be, you know, I was a cop in a big city. I used to be accused of being racist all the time, yada, 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 yeah, whatever. Pulled over the guy that started the West Coast Crips. He literally was the founding member of the Crips on the West Coast one night. He was going home to his grandkids, and he and I sat next to the road for an hour and a half and talked. And that was one of the best conversations I've had. Man, that was, and you would never think the guy that started the Crips and a cop would sit next to, this, next to the road and just bullshit. So these people that make all these assumptions, like you were saying, are just, they're idiots. Labeling's not fair to anybody. And I've always been told when you point three, one finger, you got three point back at you. I appreciate you guys having me on. I hope there was some good stuff. And uh, I hope that the people that listen to this um, find some value in who the fuck they are. Because at the end of the day, that's who you have. Yeah. For sure. It was fantastic. It, was, it went great. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're going to record a little bit after you leave just about what we're doing next, but that's it. Cool. Okay, so that was our fourth episode. Coming up in our fifth episode, we have John's Edub number two yeah. joining us. Her name is Rachel. She does have an actual name. Her name is Rachel. So, John, what's Rachel going to be joining us to talk about? Uh, well, um, we're just going to kind of talk about what happened in our relationship. We had, I'll just uh, really quickly say that when our relationship ended, we were friends. Then we weren't. Then it got even worse. And now we're back to friends again. And now to even to the point where we can, you know, do holidays and stuff together. And and we're actually very close now. Um, so we're going to talk that through. That should be really interesting. And um, we very well may need a mediator at some point. <laughs> Based on our history, you just never know. I think we'll be okay. I think I'll be able to mediate relatively well. And I think, you know, yeah, it's going to be interesting for people to listen to, uh, you know, formerly married couple kind of hash it out. Yeah. But that's also the point. So, well, and also, I, I, she and I have already both talked and we're not going to pull punches. Like, it, if we got something to say, we're going to say it. So, this is going to be awesome. I um, can't wait. It, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> All right, so that's episode number five. Yeah. <laughs>